Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse. It's Steve and Jimmy here. Um, you know, we're into our, I guess, our second week of the offseason here, but Jimmy, there is no rest for the weary, especially Tiago Pinto, because, I mean, Brandon and I were here last week talking about Indica and Awar coming over, and now it seems like the Alco Mercato is where we have to turn our attention. Yeah, I mean, somebody wants to put something into his, his espresso because we're getting sales of players that I would never have anticipated actually becoming sales. A lot of these guys just seem like they were destined to kind of go the uh, Will and Beyond uh, Ante Korich route where, you know, they're just getting loaned out until their contract expires. But over the past 72 hours, not only have we been seeing a lot of rumors saying that deals for Primavera players who, let's be honest, probably wouldn't have gotten that many minutes next season um, are getting sold for upwards of close to 10 million euros we're seeing players who I definitely didn't think were going to be in a Roma kit ever again getting permanently sold for, if not a plus Valenza, at least something that can help help us in terms of financial fair play. So, you know, if all of those deals go through and, you know, we got one on Sunday that we can talk about in a minute uh, with Benjamin Tahirovic going to Ajax for like eight and a half million euros. Uh, if those deals go through, uh, yeah, you can't really do anything except tip your hat to Tiago Pinto because he... Roma has been in a financial tricky situation for quite some time now, and he seems to be working very well on this tightrope that Roma has found itself on. Yeah, the Tahirovic domino is the first one to fall. You know, we were on the show last week, not you, but Brandon and I talking about, well, I mean, they need $30 million. They need it by the end of the month. It's probably going to be Ibanez because Tammy's got no value right now. He's out probably for nine months. You know, the other guy that's rumored to possibly be on the way out are guys like Karsdorp and Spinazzola, and they're not going to fetch you 30 million at this point in their career. Spinazzola maybe, you know, pre-Euros or during the Euros before the injury would have gotten you that kind of money, but not now. Yeah. And it looked like it had to be um, Ibanez. And and we've seen Roma under the gun in the past. I, I The one that jumps to mind for me all the time is Mohamed Salah. I think Roma got like yeah. 32 million for him or something at the time. That was especially uh, was, painful. That was especially yeah. painful because Neymar then blew up the transfer market right after that. I remember that it was literally just a couple weeks before that. And 30 million when we were talking about it, that seemed like a reasonable deal based off of the old way the transfers went. And then everything just exploded. And as time has gone by, it seemed like a worse and worse deal for a guy who never got one, but like was a Ballon d'Or candidate pretty consistently for several years for Liverpool. Yeah, he was he was one of the top players in the Premier League and in Europe for for a couple seasons there. He's getting you know age is catching up a little bit now, but that looked like potentially the biggest steal in the last I don't know five years or so. The Mercato for Liverpool when they made that deal. I mean, even when Roma made the deal, you saw the fiend. You're like, oh, that's it. Like, and that's and Salah wasn't even like clinical on Roma. Like he was creating chances. He was still a little frustrating at times because his finishing wasn't great. And then he went to Liverpool and he just became like superstar status. And yeah. That's the one that always jumps to mind. And then, you know, I was looking at some of the rumored fees for Ibanez, like, oh, Spurs is trying to get him for 20 because they know Roma's up against, you know, under the gun kind of thing. And and you're like, you know, I we, we complain about Ibanez plenty and his mistakes, but he's got more value than 20 million when you see some of the transfer fees that are they're going around for some of these other players. Yeah. And then just a few days ago, I guess today's Tuesday, I guess it was probably Saturday. Uh, I think that deal went down for Tahirovic. It was Friday or Saturday. And First, you were seeing five, and you're like, all right, I mean, he's a young player. I guess five is reasonable. Then when the official news came out that it was eight and a half. With a 15% um, sell-on fee. With a 15% sell-on fee, you're like, now this is a pretty decent deal. Now, could Tahirovic turn into a really good midfielder in Europe, starting at Ajax and moving on elsewhere? Potentially. Could he be like... And that's why you put in the fee. That's why you put the fee in, yeah, because then you could maybe make another five, ten million down the road. Um, or, you get, or you just set us up to be in the same... People can kibitz about it, but like one of the good things about the Fratesi deal is that we have that 30% sell-on yeah. fee. And let's say that Tahirovic does become a guy that, whether it's Mourinho or our next manager, whoever that might be, uh, says, I want him back in Rome. You have a bargaining chip. You can basically yeah. say, look, you get to get more money out of this. Um, or we can waive that fee or however it might work. Um 
I did not think he would be worth eight and a half million euros. There must be something in the uh, scouting pool that just had Ajax chomping at the bit, though, because they don't use, I mean, like their whole structure is based off of finding guys like him and then selling them for five or six times what they paid. But at the same time, eight and a half million euros is not a small amount of money for no. a side like Ajax. You, their, their academy is what kind of usually gets them big transfer fees in the future. So the fact that they're putting down that type of money makes me think that he's going to be starting pretty consistently from the word go. And we've seen what Ajax players can fetch from Premier League sides. It seems like they often deal with the Manchester United's of the world when it comes to major transfers. Uh, if Tahirovic is able to turn into like a Premier League level player and, you know, it definitely seems like he could. Mourinho definitely rated him. Um, that could be huge. 15% of like 50 million euros would be no small amount. And that's the type of money that Premier League clubs these days are just happy to throw around. So we'll see what happens. But it, it, I was, I, I don't know, I was shocked by that, that transfer fee. Yeah, I th- I, it was more than I expected for sure. And I know he was like rumored to be possibly a player that could move. And I'm like, oh, you know, maybe he will, maybe he won't. And I guess he's more expendable than like a Bove at this point or one of those type players. Um, eight and a half, 15% selling. Like you said, if he goes down the line for 40 million or something, you, you get yourself another 6 million euros of basically passive income at this point. It's, yep. you know, Romo's not doing any of the developing. They're not having to give him minutes or anything like that. And I, I do wish him well because he, for Mourinho to give him a chance and speak highly of him, and then you know Matic kind of took him under his wing. I think he de- definitely there's a player in there, and that's definitely why Roma has that sell-on fee. It's not just like a straight here eight and a half million. Let's cut our ties and get our money. Um, mm-hmm. But I think if you're looking to not sell a first-team squad type player like an Ibanez at this point, or at least maybe he goes in July if they do decide to sell him when they're not under the gun and they have some negotiating power. Eight and a half million out of thirty is a a good chunk of that that fee right there. It's almost almost 30% right off the bat on yeah. one youngster. Yeah. Something that I really appreciate just in terms of mentality that feels different for Tiago Pinto versus other, I guess they were directors of sport previously. He's a GM in the club hierarchy now uh, is that you, I get the sense that if presented with this exact situation, we've seen them actually respond this way. Like Walter Sabatini, Gianluca Petracchi, uh, Monchi, when presented with, we have a mass, a major financial fair play hump to get over. Their response was, well, let's sell, sell a star player. Um, whether that was Antonio Rudiger, whether that was Mohamed Salah, whether that was Alisson, the, gen- the gut impulse was generally to say, we're selling a star because we can get it done in one fell swoop. And whether or not that was because they tried other options of selling younger players or whether it just didn't really occur to them or what, what have you, it never came down to this idea that, wait, we have a bunch of these guys under contract who we probably don't need anymore. Let's let them go. And like for Tahirovic as a player, uh, yeah, it was great that he was obviously getting praise from Mourinho and getting kind of the tut- tutelage of uh, Nemanja Matic. But at the same time, you look at our midfield depth chart, especially with Awar coming in and the rumors of Fratezi. And if not Fratezi, then you have to imagine some other midfielders coming in this this summer there was not really much of a chance for him to get ahead of Bove, let alone anybody else on the, on the depth chart in the midfield. And one of the reasons why he was able to get some play time was because of some adaptability that he showed. Um, and that's true for Missouri as well. And also Volpato, um, who are two other guys who we'll probably be discussing in a little bit. Uh, it'll be my, my general feeling towards younger players is that they need consistent runtime and they need consistent runtime in the position that is right for them. And, the worst case scenario, and this is not like a knock to Alessandro Florenzi, he's had a very successful career in top flight football. And I think 99% of footballers would dream of having Alessandro Florenzi's career. Uh, however, when you make a player be too much of a jack of all trades too early in their career, they never really become a superstar in one particular way. And we've discussed ad nauseum how that could possibly have be a similar fate that befalls uh, Nikola Zalewski uh, in Rome because he's been so frequently played as a left back as opposed to a winger or forward. Uh, there have been rumors recently that uh, Roma are looking to sign a Brazilian fullback, uh, Ayrton Lucas, for 12 million euros. Hopefully that could mean that the, uh, 
the Zalewski as left back experiment might be almost over, uh, but I'm, it's never over until it's actually over. But still, you want young players to be able to succeed. And you want young players to succeed, so you need to play them in their positions consistently. And so it's good for Tirovich that he's going to get ostensibly run time at a club like Ajax uh, starting consistently at a young age in his preferred position. Because um, Ajax would not spend that much that type of money on a player if they weren't going to start him in his preferred position, let's be honest. Um, and I guess that honestly le- leads us to a good segue for uh, the other two Primavera players who might be heading out soon, which would be uh, Filippo Missori and uh, Christian Volpato. So Volpato, the deal has been kind of more in the news because, of course, you know, Totti's his agent and he's a forward. And everyone likes forwards and things like that. Um, but Tiago Pinto has been reportedly negotiating with Sassuolo uh, over the sale of both of those players, unrelated to a potential uh, Fratesi deal. Uh, but, you know, you have to imagine it would help. Uh, and the gist is that it would probably be in a similar price range to the actual deal for Tahirovic, namely in the 8 to 10 million euros a piece range with either a buyback option that's been rumored for uh, Volpato or at the very least a sell-on fee in the same way that the Fratesi deal was structured. Uh, Steve, what do you think about that? Yeah, I know a lot of people like Volpato a lot. He is a a good prospect from everything you read, and we've seen little flashes here and there, but he hasn't played a lot of first-team minutes. And to me, if if you can have some kind of buyback clause or sell-on fee, I I think I don't have a problem with the deal. Um, Mm -hmm. I think also I saw Berardi rumored to be going to Lazio for 20 million euros, and that would clear up a lot of space for Volpato to play up front because they play that 4-3-3, and Volpato probably fits in like that winger role, I would think, in that that situation. Happy Um, to see Lazio maybe fall into the same trap we did with Belotti, where we're like, hey, mid-table striker who was able to score scads of goals Again, and because he was playing for a mid-table side, let's let's snatch him up and make him our starting striker for a big club. Let, I, I hope that they have just as much success as we've had with Andrea Bellotti this season if they end up signing Berardi. <laughs> yeah, and then, um, I mean, Missouri, we saw him for a little bit, but um, I, I he think he's fine. one of those. Yeah, I think he's one of those typical players that could go to a Sassuolo, maybe turn into a Serie A player, maybe he turns into a Serie B player long-term. You know, yeah. I don't think he's like that can't miss prospect. You're like, oh my good, we're going to sell Missouri for a couple million euros and he might blow up. I don't think that happens. Yeah. But, you know, if they sell the two of them, say for the 10 to 12 million range combined, probably, um, you know, and then you, you're talking about the eight and a half, we already got, you're at 20 already. And, and I know people are always skeptical about giving up these kind of, I don't want to say they're can't miss prospects, but they're they're pretty solid prospects. But I, mm-hmm. I, I like it into American sports in some ways where teams trade for draft picks, right? Or trade draft picks for yeah. proven players at like the deadline. You see in the NHL all the time. You see it in the NBA a lot. Um, not as much in the NFL because the way the structure is or, or, or Major League Baseball. But baseball, you're trading a lot of time. It's prospects like this for like a proven player yeah. at the deadline, right? And if you're going to get that star type player, or in this case, Roma's going to get themselves out of a financial bind and potentially open up money to make a signing in the summer after June 30th for a player that could help now, I think you always make that deal because draft picks and prospects are as good as they might seem. Don't always turn out well. And um, you know, you, especially when you have Mourinho as your manager, you have to, you have to work for the now you have to look yeah. long-term too, which I think they're doing with Bove and with Zalewski and some of these other guys. And even some of the signings like, Awar and Indica are still young and up and coming in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, in many ways, let's be honest, you're 24. That's not even, that's yeah. not close to your peak as a football. Yeah. But they're more proven. And, yeah. and I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a New York Islanders fan in hockey and they made a deal in the off season last year for uh, a defenseman from the Canadians. And he's like 23 years old and Romanoff and, and they traded a first round pick for him. And you're like, Oh, it's a first round pick, but this kid's 23 and he's still growing as a player. I'd rather take the established 23 year old player than, the potential first round pick who might never see the NHL. Right. And I, I yeah. liken these deals to that. And if you're getting eight to 10 million for a player that might never pan out, that could be great. If he turns mm-hmm. into like a Fratesi or some of these other players we've seen pan out well, well, you take your lump sometimes or you get your little sell on fee and, and you, you move on because we've seen Roma's Primavera, one of the best in Italy. And yeah. for many years, they've been churning out players. Some end up being first team stars. Some and mm-hmm. like a Pellegrini, like a De Rossi, like a Totti, but those don't come around all the time. 
Um, Zaleski looks like a potential first-team starter. You know, Florenzi was for a while, too. Mm-hmm. Then you have guys that go elsewhere, like, they're, that are nice players, like, um, drawing a blank on his name right now. I can picture him. He's played for a bunch of teams. Uh, Caprari, like, he's turned into yeah. a solid Serie A player. Romagnoli. Um, Romagnoli. Verdi has turned into a you know squad player for Espezia, but those aren't guys that are going to necessarily start for Roma all the time. Maybe Romagnoli yeah. could have, but you know that that kind of went a different direction. And then you have plenty of guys we've sent to Sassuolo and elsewhere who have turned into really fringe Serie A bench players or Serie B type players. And yeah, um, these guys could be either one of those, and that's why I don't have a, a huge problem with selling them. You know, you do get attached to some of the young younger players. I, I don't know if Volpato might be a little overhyped in the end because Totti's his agent. Totti talked him up. We'll see. Um, mm-hmm. But I think Roma will retain something on him in any deal just because yeah. the potential is there. And guess yeah. what? If he if he hits and they have a 20% sell-on and they choose not to bring him back, they're going to get some money from somewhere just like this Fratezzi deal. I think that's the yeah. uh, important part from like the the financial standpoint. That's what makes world football so different than like these American sports leagues where you're either trading players or, or prospects or picks for a player, right? You're never trading money. Yeah. Um, so it, it, but and, another, and, another key way here that this is actually similar to the way that a lot of baseball, uh, like triple a, double a single a drafting systems work is that the senior team has to also keep an eye on who they know is going to be an intriguing prospect a year or two down the line. Like the guy who's a, like, if you've got a bunch of guys in a particular position who are like a year away or a year or two away from getting like at least a couple sub appearances with the senior squad, you're going to feel a lot better about selling off someone who is in a similar position who maybe doesn't have as high of a ceiling. And I think that's actually what's happening here with Roma's midfielders, um, at least midfield Primavera players, because like, if, if, I don't know if you guys were, if people who were watching and listening to the podcast, were uh, paying attention to the Italy U20 team who got to the final of the uh, U20 World Cup uh, this summer. But there were two players who are in the midfield and consistently playing for that U20 team who are from Roma's Primavera side, uh, Nicolo Pisili and uh, Giacomo Faticanti. Uh, Faticanti, we've discussed in our U10 roundup, our U- U23 roundup multiple times. Um, he's a guy who I think I would be shocked if he doesn't get at least a decent number of appearances uh, next season uh, with the senior squad. Definitely probably not starts. He's only 18, but at the same time, he's someone who has been very hyped up as a defensive midfielder uh, for the Primavera side and is seen as closer to a Romagnoli level, like kind of predestined to be able to make an impact uh, type of player. Uh, So you have to imagine that Tiago Pinto is looking kind of at the Primavera side of the players who haven't burst through just yet seeing that a lot of the great interesting players are um, in the, in the midfield and saying, yeah, we can lose to Yeah. We can lose me. It's probably not the end of the world. We've got other players mm-hmm. that are going to be interesting there. Um, and yeah, I, I would say that that's definitely a huge element of kind of why, why the club probably feels comfortable with selling some of these younger players. Um we can also add, you know, in terms of defenders, like we've made some really great moves with Evan and Dicka and uh, some, I'm like, at this rate, it looks like we might actually get to keep Roger Ibanez. But in the event that we lose Ibanez or, you know, with Kumbola being out, there are some int- really interesting defenders in the Primavera side, most most notably uh, Dimitrios Karamitsis. Um, he's supposed to be quite good. He's gotten a couple sub appearances at the top flight despite being, you know, still pretty young himself. He's only 18 uh, until July. So I would say that there are a lot of reasons for optimism about Roma's Primavera on a regular basis. Uh, They've shown, I think that there have been studies that have been done about how strong different academies are throughout Europe. And Roma's is consistently in the top 10 uh, throughout Europe. So that's including the Reals and the Barcelona's and the Manchester United's and the Juventus's of the world. Um, it's a strong Primavera side. And what comes with that is knowing that some of those guys can go and you're probably not tanking your future prospect of bringing in a Primavera player into the starting 11. Um, and that actually kind of brings us into some of the big transfers that we've been discussing. Cause there are players that we have let go in the past who didn't totally tank Roma's history, but now might be coming back. 
number one is obviously uh, the man behind, with I guess one degree of separation. Well, before we get to them, of, Jim, the destruction think, of the bonsai. Um, Wait, oh, we're 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 just not talking about the we bonsai. We got those just two yet? more um, outgoing transfers that that are uh, potentially on the way out before we get to oh, the true. incoming. Yes. Yeah. So just before we get to the incoming, uh, we're recording Tuesday evening here on the East Coast of the United States. It looks like Justin Cloyver, really close to Bournemouth for just under around 10 million is what DeMarzio is reporting. And Carlos Perez, 6 million. I think it was Celta Vigo going back to where he was this season. Two more solid deals. So, Jim, if those go through, if you're talking about eight and a half for Tahirovich, 10, we'll just round up to 10 for Cloyver. You got 18 and a half there. Another six is 24 and a half. So, we're almost at almost 25 million euros if those two go through in the next day or two. And then Really, Volpato not only gets him the 30, he gets him over 30 and probably close yeah. to 35. So I think just to wrap the outgoing portion before we go to incoming, I mean, if he can make these deals and he can get to 30 plus million without even ha- having to sniff some of his first team squad players, I mean, this, this is really good work. This is like, I guess, on the level of what he did his first season when he was here and he cleared out all that dead weight with the Pastores, the Enzonzis, the Paul Lopez, Robin Olsen. Um, I know they didn't get transfer fees for all those guys, but he had to clear the books a bit in terms of wages. Yeah. Um, I know Primavera players aren't exactly how some people want to do, but if he gets rid of a couple of players like Perez and Cloyvert, yeah. and then you see that Vina is also rumored to be going maybe back to Bournemouth. Uh, potentially, I saw a couple of days ago that they, they still want him back, just wanted to spend um, whatever the 15 or $17 million option was. You know, we haven't even mentioned Shimoradov. I think he might wait a little while until they figure out their striker situation is my impression there because he hasn't really been mentioned much. Yeah. But they're moving players out. Yeah, I mean, look, let me just put it this way. It's always been true throughout sports that you can't really judge a general manager's job in any particular transfer window or year until a couple years later. Um, like, you can't – it's very hard to just look at a Mercado and say – oh, this was a good Mercado or this was a bad Mercado because you have to look at how the players perform elsewhere. You have to look at the value of the deals or the players who were brought in, things like that, before you can make a fully informed decision. However, we talked a lot about what Roma would have to do to bridge the gap between where the club is now, which is a club that can go very deep in the Europa League and potentially win it but maybe not be able to do that while simultaneously getting a Champions League berth through the league uh, and what the club wants to be, which is a perpetually top four side. Um, There is a gap there that we're trying to fill. And based off of Roma's finances, we knew that free agent signings and clever sales and purchases of players when necessary, of players who really only want to come to Roma, uh, that's going to be how you have to do it. And by all accounts, Thiago Pinto has been doing it that way. If we're looking at Primavera sales, he's been doing a far better job than I think any other GM has done for Roma in terms of getting value for players that we've all known have been quite valuable. Um, the only other players that I can think of that garnered similar uh, amounts of money for Roma on the way out from the Primavera side, I would probably Think, have to think back to Romagnoli, Bertolacci. And the thing with them was that they had seasons of Serie A experience under the belt. We're talking about guys who had been already performing well at a mid-table club. And the difference here is that we're getting good money for Primavera-level players who have not really had consistent starting experience for a Sampdoria, for a Genoa, for players, for situations like that. Uh, so the fact that he's able to get good money for those players, the fact that he's attracting quite quite probably the best possible free agents that he could attract. Uh, we can talk more about Ndika and Awar, but in my, the names, the clubs that they were linked to other than Roma were the big boys and they came yeah. to Roma. Um, and the fact that he's identifying players who want to come to Roma badly for incoming transfers. Um, that is how this club has to be run for the foreseeable future. And he's doing, and by all accounts, as much as you can only judge a certain amount based off of the present moment, he's been doing a bang up job. Yeah, I agree. And if, if he can get this done, like I said, this will be great for Roma. It really eases the pressure on having to sell any Banias for a cut rate or anything like that. So <clears throat> let's take a quick ad break and then we'll talk about those incoming transfers you were referring to, Jim. 
All right, so Jim, sorry to cut you off before, but I, f- I figured we had to talk Cloyvert and uh, uh, Perez before we got to the these guys. So, what were you yeah. referring to earlier? Yeah, so obviously bonsai tree. Yeah, so I mean, these room these transfers have been rumored for a long time, and we've been discussing them before, and we'll be discussing them again. I'm I'm sure this is not going to probably be resolved by the end of the week or by the time that we record the next podcast, but it's becoming very very clear that the two main priorities in terms of incoming transfers that might actually cost money for Roma this summer are going to be uh, Gianluca Scamacca and David Fratesi, um, two players who are inter- Italy internationals, two players who came up through Roma's academy, and two players who, for different reasons, left the club uh, relatively early in their careers to kind of have the same experience as Benjamin Tahirovic is going to have, the the chance to spread their wings and be able to start consistently for a side that is maybe not as big as Roma, but is able to offer them consistent starting minutes, which Roma, to be quite honest, when you're a side as big as Roma trying to fall for the champions league every year, you're not going to give most 18 or 19 year olds starters minutes. Um, And I can tell you that if both of those transfers happen, uh, the Scamacca one looks like it's an open and shut case almost in the sense that he's told uh, West Ham's management that he's only really going to accept a move to Roma and personal terms are already agreed. And in general, it seems like it'll just, it's more of an when, not an if. Uh, With Fratesi, it looks like it's more up in the air just because he's got a lot of other people courting him, whether that's Inter Milan, AC Milan, or Juventus. Uh, But at the same time, I have some confidence there Uh, targeting those two players. As I was saying before, that's going for, that's going for players who want to be in Rome. That's going for players who want to be playing for Mourinho. That's going for players who kind of grew up in the city and understand what it means to win in Rome. And I think that that's not necessarily something that you can create in a player who didn't start in the Primavera setup in Rome. Uh, You don't, get that understanding unless you're like a 14 year old who's around when Totti's around or what have you. And David Fratesi has repeatedly talked about how Daniele De Rossi was his idol growing up. And Scamacca has talked about how Totti was his idol. And as I was saying before, if you're, if you want to build a solid squad, it definitely helps to have players from the outside who are interested in coming back because they have that history built up there. Steve, what are your thoughts on Skamaka? Let's do Skamaka first. What are your thoughts on Skamaka being kind of that Abraham replacement, at least in the short term and then long term, you know, maybe they shift to the two, two striker system. Maybe they sell Abraham, but like my general guess would be that if they're dropping 30 to 35 million euros on Skamaka to bring them home, that, you know, it would at least be a, we're going to have to make sure that you're doing a two striker system with Abraham going forward type situation. Yeah. I, I don't, I like the Skamaka move. If, if it happens, I think he's a high upside striker. We saw the success he had at Sassuolo two seasons ago. He can score from outside the box, which is something Roma did not do very much at all. He's pretty good in the hold up play aspect. Um, I, I think he's a overall really good striker prospect. Um, you know, I think he's still just 24 years old, I think. So he's yep, kind of coming to his prime. I know. The season was a little bit rough at West Ham. He did miss the last couple months. He had a meniscus surgery. Meniscuses are things that guys usually bounce back from after the surgery is not as uh, risky as like a, a ligament injury. And I, I read that they're trying to get the loan deal through. And I think West Ham wants an obligation. Romo probably wants an option. Without them being under the gun to get it done, I think Skamaka pushing will help get that across the line in Roma's favor a little bit. Um because I don't think West Ham's going to be stuck with him next season. Uh, after the way it turned out, it seems like the player's will is to is to leave. Um, I do want to put in one point there, that the player's will is definitely to leave, and it seems like his will is to go to Rome. Yeah. But I've talked to some West Ham fans, and most of them aren't like saying, oh, well, we got glad to see the back of him. If anything, it's more like, well, he had some injury troubles, and he, you know, there's an adjustment period for anybody coming to yeah. the Premier League from where you were playing before. But there was never a question of effort. There was never a question of actually scoring when on the pitch. His per-minute goal ratio was actually pretty decent this season. This The problem was that he wasn't available a decent amount of the time. Um, and there's also just an acknowledgement that he didn't really, for some reason, they signed him without necessarily having him fit their manager's tactical style. And yeah. when we're talking about a play, a striker in particular, you really need – some strikers can succeed no matter who their manager is. 
But even most great strikers need to have a good match between their tactical style and the manager's tactical style. And I think that by all accounts, the way that Skamaka plays the game actually would fit pretty well with Mourinho. Um, I think that it would provide at the very least what we were hoping to see from Abraham this season. Uh, And at most, I mean, he's more of a threat from outside the box than I think Abraham ever really has been. And that's something that I've been constantly wanting Roma to develop. Uh, The last time I feel like I was worried about, I was hopeful that someone could score outside the box for Roma outside of like a free kick. I feel like it's gotta be Totti. Um, Like, can you like Dybala and Totti are the two that I can think of in terms of players who would be able to score outside the box. So if we can add another guy who can be a threat from outside the box, that would be huge. And also this is a guy who is slowly, but surely cementing himself as a starting striker for Italy going forward, uh, which could be crucial. Um, We, we have a really strong core of players who are, in the Italian national team setup in one way or the other, whether that's Pellegrini, whether that's Cristante, whether that's Gianluca Mancini, though he doesn't get as much shine as he should from the guy who he's not related to as far as I'm aware of, but like, you know, Roberto. Um, but we can, we can restrict my criticisms of Roberto Mancini to another, to another podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, point being, it's never bad to get more guys who are in the Italian national team set up into Roma simply because they'll probably want to stay in Italy and it, because it helps them quite frankly, to be playing in Serie A uh, to get kind of the shine on the, for the Azuri. So I'm pretty excited by the idea of a Skamaka transfer. Uh, He strikes me as a guy who could come in and be an injection of energy in the attack that we've needed for a while, uh, but also not just be a short-term solution. Uh, Because when you bring in a guy who played in the Academy, odds are they're happy to be back and they don't want to just move on a year or two later. Um, and that kind of is also one of the reasons why I'd be excited by a Fratesi reunion, because it's been very clear last summer, he was, he made it very public that he wanted to be back in Rome. That didn't happen largely due to financial concerns, as far as I'm aware on Roma's part, but looking at it pretty critically, adding Fratesi to the makeup of this midfield would be crucial. Um, we'll discuss the Brian Cristante renewal later, uh, but For all the people who complain about Brian Cristante constantly being a fixture of the starting 11, though I I personally am a pro-Brian Cristante guy, bringing in a guy like David Fratesi will push him back in the the depth chart. Uh, If we're talking about out-and-out midfielders, it would be Pellegrini, Fratesi, and everyone else, um, in my opinion, uh, if Fratesi was brought in, in terms of who would be starting consistently. And... That's kind of what you want. You The whole thing that we've been talking about ad nauseum on this podcast and anyone who follows Roma has been saying is Roma needs depth. And if Roma is able to develop depth by bringing in guys who used to be academy graduates, that's a good way to develop depth that is going to be there for the long term. Yeah, I, I want Fratesi. I mean, if you saw him playing with Italy the other day, he looked he looked really good, right? Scored yeah. a goal. I know he had one call back in the first match against Spain on a, from what I read, marginal offside. I didn't get to watch that whole match, but mm-hmm. um, he looks better and better every time you watch him play. I think he's the real deal midfield. I think you're right. In terms of a box-to-box presence, he would have to slot in most of the time as a starter for Roma. I think, you know, he'd probably play alongside like a Cristante or a Matic, depending on the rotation in that two-man midfield if Mourinho stays that way. My worry now, and I'm, I'm hoping the whole reason for this Volpato-Misori situation is because, you know, maybe that's going to help push it in Roma's favor, uh, a deal for Fratesi, if Pinto is really pursuing him hard. Because the reports about Inter being in the lead now, and then he's, he's, he's leaning toward Inter, worry me a little bit. Um, I don't buy it. Yeah. I, I hope not. The only uh, reason I mean, why it makes sense to me would be if the rumors about a Barella self sale for like 50 million are actually true. Um, that is basically the only reason why I could see that happening. I don't think that those rumors are true. I know that Inter are in even worse financial straits than Roma is at the moment, but at the same time, I just don't buy it. Um, that's well, what, like my, that. It doesn't pass a smell yeah. test to me. 
my whole thing is the the rumor deal that popped up a couple of days ago. We don't know how true it is until something goes official. Is Inter has like a deal in place or is looking to get a deal in place for a two year loan, similar to what um, Juve did with Locatelli, and then paying like thirty to thirty five million. If if that's the case, I mean, then Roma's really silly for not you know pursuing this harder. I think if if that ends up being the case, because Fratesi wants to come back. By, from all reports last summer and maybe Tesla wasn't in the position to do such a deal last summer but even this summer if you see that it's a two-year loan with option or obligation to buy Roma can say here we'll do a one-year loan throw in a couple of Primavera guys and we'll pay 25 next season you know maybe we pay a little more next season than we would have to do this season like I to me that's a deal you have to make if the, if the kids oh yeah without a doubt that. if if he's available um, you need to be signing him and yeah I I don't buy. I just don't buy it. Like the only possible explanation that I could have for that structure of a deal actually happening for Inter and not and Roma not swooping in is either Roma deciding that they've got somebody better that they can bring in, which I don't necessarily think is true unless they really rate our, um, or Carnivale over at Sassuolo basically saying like, bleep you. I'm not, working with you which also doesn't fit with the relationship that has been built up over time between Roma and Sassuolo like and all the players that are rumored all the players all the players have been exchanged and like that also makes me think I would not be absolutely shocked let me put it this way this is me putting my conspiracy theory hat on right now so bear with me but if Roma ends up selling two um, Primavera players to Sassuolo for about 8 to 10 million euros each. It wouldn't really shock me if that money went back to Sassuolo in the form of a David Fratesi sale. That, like, let's be honest, we know that there's a huge yeah. June 30th deadline facing Roma, and we know that Roma and Sassuolo have good relationships enough that when I play football manager, Sassuolo is referred to as a junior club you can basically just send anybody to Sassuolo that you want on loan. Like, I know that that's not real life, but like that is the level of connection that these two clubs have. It's a very deep connection. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if basically what was happening was Volpato and Misori are sent over there for eight to 10 million euros each. And then Roma gets that in their pocket so they can tell the financial fair play people like, Hey, look, we're on the level. And then on July 2nd, they signed for Tezzi. Like I wouldn't be shocked if that's what is happening because it we've all, shock me. because we've heard so many rumors. we've heard so many rumors also about those players being included in a Fratesi deal. Um, it's very clear to me that Bove is someone that everybody wants, but Roma's just decided no that that's the Primavera guy we're keeping from this kind of graduating class. Uh, but the fact that Misori and Volpato are going to Sassuolo when Volpato in particular could be going to bigger places. And that's why he was like reportedly hesitant to want to go to Sassuolo makes me think that this is a player exchange with extra steps because we know what's been happening to like Juventus and Napoli when actual player exchanges have been kind of like poked at by the by financial authorities they've been saying like wait did you really value this player at x million euros or were you just trying to like make sure that the numbers kind of worked here and from a from the perspective of someone who does not want to be engaging in financial crimes it makes way more sense to do it this way where you say we're valuing this guy at x million euros we're valuing this guy at x million euros now you're going to bring us this guy back like there's a lot of logic that I think can be applied here that would state that the Missouri and Volpato sales might not be directly linked in the sense that there'll be one PDF for the entire transfer, but they are linked in the sense that there is an understanding that you sell these two players to Sassuolo and you get Fratesi back and Sassuolo suddenly feels better about not having getting that 30% back from the Yeah, Fratesi logic deal. says that would make a lot of sense. And if say, yeah. say we even get five for Missouri because he's less of a prospect and you get 10 for Volpato, there's 15... Yeah. Um, you say the thirty percent. Say you yeah. value Fratesi at forty, just to trump Inter a little bit. If Inter's valuing him at thirty-five in a couple seasons, yeah, the te- the thirty percent gives you like another, geez, like 12, 12 million euro valuation. Yeah. They're up to twenty-seven, and we'll throw in ten more or something. You know, like something like that. Exactly over the line. Like, I think that's well within Roma's means. I know they don't have a lot of money to spend, but I'm sure you could spend ten to fifteen on Fratesi with your sell-on and these player exchanges. 
yeah. and make that deal happen. Because to me, like you always have the romanticism with former Roma players, but this one looks like the real deal. He's proven in yeah. yeah, like Brighton was after. That's him, the thing with both. England. That's the thing with both Sesswolt with uh, Skamaka and Fratesi. These are not just like a, oh, bring them home because I'm a romantic type of guy yeah. situation. This is a bring them home because they want to be in Rome and they're studs and they're guys who look like they're going to be a consistent part of the Italian national team going forward. Yeah. Um, this is, yeah. And the, honestly, the more that I think about it, that also would fit with why Roma's trying to make that alone with obligation at the very least for Scamacca, because we know that Roma's kind of running a little bit on fumes in terms of money that they have right now. Yeah. But if Roma's able to qualify for the Champions League next year, then paying for a Skamaka deal becomes 10 times easier. And then you can focus all the money that you have right now on buying for Tezzi outright. Um, so again, like it doesn't shock me that I wouldn't be very shocked if those, the Volpato and Misori deal go through for about 15 million, as you said, um, then that 30% probably would be around a 12 million valuation. And then you throw in 10 million to get, get for Tezzi. Like that yeah. seems like a very logical chain of events. And yeah, I, like we can look back on this in two weeks and think we were being stupid, but like I'm pretty sure that that's what's going to happen here. Your mouth of the couch of God's ears to, to be yeah. to everybody yeah. else. Yeah. So, Jim, I guess we're getting close to the end, but just a couple couple loose ends to tie up before we go. Um, Cristante's contract renewal is set, signed, sealed, and delivered, and uh, it looks like El Sharis is not far behind. Yeah. Two players I like having in the side. I know Cristante is very polarizing. I know the message boards after you wrote about the renewal were, you know, <laughs> all over the place. And, and he seems to be one of those players that draws that attention. Yeah. El Shari, um likely to sign a two-year extension, I think, from one of the reports I've been reading. I'd be very happy with that. Um, I think he's a perfect role player on this team. He's at the point in his career where he's not upset about coming off the bench or being a rotation player. Mm-hmm. And we saw him score big goals last season. Yeah, I mean, let me put it this way. I'm thinking back to a season that I didn't watch live, but I've watched my fair amount of footage from, uh, which is the 2000-2001 Roma squad. And, of course, there were superstars in that squad. There was Batistuta. There was Totti. There was Emerson. There was even even some players that I wouldn't, that I think that a lot of people might not call superstars, but, like, very good players, like, Montella, Nakata. There were a bunch of players who were like at a very high level in that squad. But there were also players in that squad who were providing necessary depth for Roma to be able to win that Scudetto, for Roma to be a consistent top four side in that era. Um, I'm thinking of, you know, I don't know. Like a Del Vecchio, for example, I think is maybe a great example of that. A guy who is not going to be starting over Totti in in any situation other than like, you know, he's sick. Um, But at the same time, you need a guy like that. And that's kind of the category that I would put El Sharawi in at this point in his career. He's a guy who can bring you something off the bench. He's a kind of microwave offense kind of guy. But he's and he's not going to probably start most matches. And he knows that. But he is going to be a pretty important part of a Roma that's fighting across multiple competitions. As for the Cristante move, I don't know what to tell you other than the fact that he was the best tackler in Serie A last season, uh, that every manager that he's played for absolutely adores him, and that Daniele De Rossi said that if he could, he would make a, a team of 11 Brian Cristantes. I know that he's not flashy. I know that he's not like a man marking defensive savant in the way that other players that have played for Roma have been. I know that he does not bring La Magica back in the way that Paolo Dybala does. But at the same time, something that I think that a lot of people forget when it comes to how a squad has to be structured is that for those players who bring kind of the fantastic creative energy to thrive, there have to be players like Brian Cristante behind them. Um, for them to feel comfortable bringing that beautiful football forward. And there can definitely, there, it's not like Roma was playing beautiful football that much last season. Like, let's just be honest. But I think that Roma is building up a squad that can play beautiful football through the transfers in that we've already made, 
through the reported other transfers that we're hoping to bring in through the rest of the summer. And if you want La Magica to be back, it's not like you're going to be fielding 11 guys who are always playing beautiful football. Um, You need some guys who will be kind of like the Kevin Strootman era washing machine. Uh, And I think that's honestly like a solid comparison here. Um, Strootman got more hype because, you know, Manchester United was after him constantly before his injuries and things like that. But I would compare Cristante to that Strootman kind of role in the sense that Strootman allowed for Pjanic to make beautiful plays. And I think that Cristante is there to allow for Pellegrini, Dybala to do beautiful, make beautiful football when they can. Um, so I'm happy that he got renewed. I also think that it's, especially in this era of kind of Fanta Calcio, where people are like, oh, if we sign so-and-so for 100 million euros, we're going to win the Scudetto or we're going to win the Champions League or whatever. It's really underrated how important continuity is in a squad. And yeah. with this new contract, assuming he doesn't get sold before the end of the contract, Cristante will have been in Rome for nine seasons. Um, Mancini will, if he, I would assume that he'll probably also get a contract extension because during all the time, during all the talks about who might be sold, it's never Mancini. I think that should be noticed that Gianluca Mancini mm-hmm. is never listed as a guy who's like, well, I guess he's on the chopping block. It's always Roger Ibanez, even though some people might say Ibanez is better. Uh, Mancini always seems to be a guy who sticks around. And that Mancini, Cristante, and Pellegrini core is something that I think that Roma is trying to build around for a bunch of reasons. Um, and I think it's good to have some institutional memory there uh, because especially as Roma is getting the chance to participate in European finals, especially as Roma is trying to grow into a side that, you know, is able to compete for Champions League football every season. I would say that it's pretty critical for Roma to build up the memory of having won a bunch because we've all seen what the what happens when the inverse is true, where players like Totti and De Rossi, who are, you know, all Europe level players, like would be starting 11 in any side type players. They just were never able to kind of develop that winning mentality that would get you a title after title. And I'm not saying that any of those guys that I listed who are currently in the squad are on the Totti or De Rossi level because they're not. But if they can develop the experience of winning and the experience of getting to finals and impressing, that can get you pretty far too. Um, so yeah. I'm 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 happy to see Cristante extended. Is the short version of that? What do you, what do you think about it, Steve? Yeah, I'm happy with it too. I, I think he's a good player. I don't, I don't think he's a star by any means. I don't think he's gonna be the guy that jumps off the page at you when you when you're watching or yeah. jumps off the screen. Really, is what I should say more than the page. But uh, he does a lot for the team. He's got a leadership role on this side. And anybody who thought he was going to be on his way out or getting benched at this point um, hasn't watched Mourinho the last two seasons. No. Not with Mourinho in charge. Um, like you said, I think Mancini's part of that hierarchy now. He's the vice captain. Cristante's the third captain. Mm-hmm. And then it falls usually Smalling. There was one match. I think all three of those guys were out and Smalling took up the armband. Yep. But that's the core right now. And obviously, is the best player on the team in terms of talent and skill. Um, but he's not part of the core yet because he's only been there one year and there's still, you know, I think a little mystery surrounding how long he'll stick around because he is that good. But these are guys you want to build around. I, and I think if you can bring a Fratesi in, he would be part of that core too because he's the Roman board and bred. I don't think he's going to want to be coming as a stopover like Justin Kluivert wanted to when he first came over and thought he was going to head to Barcelona afterwards. <laughs> or Real, um, yeah. You know, just to <sighs> reference yeah. that interview from this past week. But I, I yeah. think that's what it is. And I, and I think – it's important to have both these guys around. I think they both fit what Mourinho wants really well right now. And then just to wrap, Jim, a couple quick things. Uh, Diego Lorente, very close to returning on loan. I think that's a solid move if it happens. Um, it's a good depth move. I thought as that, fourth, that's what we need. Good depth. Fourth, fifth center back. Perfect yep. fit rather than uh, trying to shuffle Cristante into the center defense again if we don't have to. Yeah. Um, 100% and then, agree. Uh, one, one other thing that popped up that we'll have to keep an eye on. It's not official yet, but... Uh, being reported by all the the whole city um accounts is that whole city are set to begin a relationship with uh roma called us italian giants in the uh, tweet i saw so yeah I, hey I, let's put it this way <laughs> what 
I I would call us Italian Giants. And I would call says, us that. Uh, we're a big we're be, a big club. Yeah. <laughs> uh, transfer development of players between the clubs, similar to what City has uh, a relationship with Shelbourne. I guess one of the um, smaller sides that whole city deals with. So kind of, I guess Aroma has a younger player. They want to loan out. They want a place where they know they'll play consistently. I think they're going to get that relationship with Hull, who's a mid table championship side right now in England, second tier, not a bad place for a younger player to go play and cut his teeth and uh, maybe get a feel for the game in a different climate than Rome. And it, it, we'll see what, what From the, wolves the to tigers. Are. Yeah. yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll see what kind of details. I, there's not much we can say about it right now, but if details come out, it'll be something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, I think that it would be very good for Rome. As, as we've said ad nauseum before, like I, one of the issues for Roma is that these Primavera players that we want to hype up so much, when you play for a side like Roma, the expectation is that you're winning every match against the small sides and you're winning every match against the big sides. And it's hard to throw an 18-year-old or a 19-year-old into that situation. Yeah. So the more relationships that Roma can build up where it's either a loan or a transfer with a buyback, that a player can go out and get real minutes against like real players and not just a bunch of other 18 year olds. That's critical. Um, and I'm hopeful that, you know, the relationship that we've built up with Sassuolo continues to present that for a lot of players. Uh, but anytime that we can get another version of that, and especially for something like the championship, which correct me if I'm wrong, but I would put the championship far above Serie Bay, for example, in terms of, yeah. uh, like it's, it's giving you an actual chance to play against real guys. And at the very least, if you send a, a Primavera player over there and they impress, even if you don't want them back, I'm sure that a bunch of Premier League sides would be happy to take spend 10 million euros on a guy who impressed in the championship because I'm they do that all the time. Um, yeah. So that it seems like a great relationship to build up if it's going to actually happen. Yeah. All right. So I guess we'll leave it there. We'll have to definitely keep an eye. You guys keep an eye on the site. The next couple of days, we'll have any official transfers that go out in terms of yeah. Roma, maybe returns in terms of Lorente. We'll see any updates on Fratezi, Scamaca. I saw Wilfred Singo thrown around today. as a That Indica right one is basically, is basically confirmed, but like once it's yeah. actually... Yeah, the official... The Twitter, once yeah. we get the actual press conference and everything like that, we'll, be ha I'll ha we'll have an article up um, discussing it. Maybe let's close with that because we. I feel like we kind of got a bit of a delay there. With like half official, half not. I'm excited by that move. I'm yes. really excited by that move in the sense that I've always felt like uh, we've had three or four starting quality center backs, including uh, Kumbula. We're now getting to the point where I think we have four or five, which is exactly what we need going forward in terms of depth and rotation and allowance for injuries like what happened to Kumbula. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Um, and just last update, Fabrizio Romano tweeted while we were uh, recording that it's looking at like nine and a half million pounds guaranteed plus another $850,000 pounds and add-ons on the Clover deal. So when you convert that to euros, that's uh, over 10 million uh, euros. Nice. With the, the, the tran the Assuming that the pound doesn't version. lose a lot of value in the next 72 yeah. hours. And for all yeah. we know, it might. But uh, let's let's hope they train. Let's hope they change that out pretty quickly. <laughs> like as long as Clover gets his personal terms in order, it will be a done deal. So um, that's awesome. Bad. Yeah. Let's see what the, the conversion right now would be uh, 11.1 million euros just on that nine and a half um, pounds. Uh, million pounds. So not bad. That's All right, good. so I guess we'll leave it there, Jim, and uh, we'll catch everyone next week, hopefully with some more transfer updates. Yeah, talk to you all soon. Thanks for listening.